Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kate Thomas, the Director of Advocacy at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Before I get into today's podcast, I need to let you know that The Huddle needs your help. August 2020 marks one year of our podcast. We've enjoyed bringing you the practical information you need to optimize care and support your clients. Now we need your help to optimize this podcast. All you have to do is head over to diabeteseducator.org forward slash the huddle to complete a short survey. If you submit your survey by August 30th, you could receive the newest edition of the Art and Science of Diabetes Care and Education desk reference. The website again is diabeteseducator.org forward slash the huddle. And now on to today's podcast. Our guest today is Anne Constance, a diabetes care and education specialist from Michigan who has been involved in diabetes advocacy for many years and is a well-known advocate for many. She's sharing advice and guidance for anyone who is interested in making more systematic changes that support people with diabetes by becoming more involved in state and local level advocacy. You'll hear what this process may look like for your community and walk away with some practical points to keep in mind as you start going down this path of advocacy. We'd also like to invite you to participate in ADCES's Virtual Public Policy Forum. This event usually held in person, is now going to be a virtual event starting on September 30th, 2020, as part of our Advocacy Week efforts. It's now open to all ADCS members, and we would encourage you to visit diabeteseducator.org, log in, and search keyword Public Policy Forum for registration information. See you there. Hi, Anne. It's so great to have you here today. I'm excited to talk with you because we focus so much on some of our federal and national issues, but really there's a lot happening on the state level that requires some attention. And I know our members and advocates want to know how they can be better involved with advocacy at the state and local level. And so I know you've done a lot of work at the national level, but you also have a lot of experience at both the state and local level. Could you talk a little bit about how you became involved in advocacy and some of the efforts you've been involved with? Well, thanks for having me, Kate. And yes, a lot of my work has been involved at the local and state level. Who was it that said all politics is local politics? So really, we've worked a lot on on healthier community initiatives like smoke-free and walkable communities. When we were working on smoke-free communities, We actually worked with our city and county commissioners. We went to meetings, we called them, we emailed them. We had a coalition of people together that that worked with them and we passed an ordinance and we were like, yeah, that's, that's great. But now we have 14 more counties we have to get to. 
So we did the same in those counties. We were talking with, with different folks in the counties, linking with, with uh, our partners in those counties. And in the midst of all of this, the state overturned our smoke-free initiative because ours was stronger than the state and it couldn't be, that was against the law. So then we had to change our focus and go at it at a, at a state level. So that meant getting together with our state legislators and working with coalitions throughout the state of Michigan to make this happen. And the rest is history because we were successful, but it definitely um, made us take a, another turn. And really I got involved in advocacy probably 25 years ago when I took a job in the public health arena and I had this amazing mentor who showed me just how important advocacy is. When I worked in a clinical setting, I'm doing a lot of focused work one-on-one -on -one or with small groups of people. And then all of a sudden I have 300,000 people I'm concerned about. So the, the, the fixes that you may do for an individual, you can't do that for 300,000 people. So you have to look at the broader picture and that's where um, policy change, something that will fix the problem and will be, be sustainable is so important. And you know, what's being, what's being reimbursed and how can we affect change in the reimbursement arena so that the services and things that people with diabetes need and even the services of the diabetes care and education specialists are covered. And I think that's a really critical point that you're making. And I really like the example you used about the smoke-free initiative in Michigan, because I think that that really illustrates the importance of knowing who your stakeholders are and knowing how the government process works and connecting local officials and state officials and, and kind of recognizing the largest the larger advocacy regulatory ecosystem even to the in the context of reimbursement and how things are paid and how programs become sustainable so it's a very holistic approach and i think it's something important to keep in mind even as our our advocates are working at the local level it's still important to plug in and to connect with others within your state or even nationally now, I wanted to go back to something you said about your mentor, because essentially that's what your role as ADCES Advocacy Committee Chair and the Advocacy Committee, that's a role you play with some of our, our members at large. What's the advice there or guidance that you can give at the national level? And as you stepped into your chair position, you and I had a lot of interesting conversations about ADCES's state advocacy efforts and how best to support our state coordinating bodies as they pursued their advocacy agendas and developed priorities and got involved in legislation. Will you talk a little bit about why this has been such an important priority for you? First of all, you have to, you have to think of who we are. We're healthcare professionals. And most of us didn't get into this profession to work on advocacy and policy changes. So there's that education about why it's critical, why it's important. And then you need to touch people at the area that is a problem for them. So you help them identify or 
they identify for you where their issues are, what's bothering them, and how, what kinds of issues they're having in terms of dealing with, with people who live with diabetes. And the leadership at the state CD level can really play a huge role in helping to identify those issues among their members and to really look at fixes and look at the broader issues. Yes, we spend time one-on-one doing a lot of things, but what are the things that we can do at a broader level? I kind of think of it as when I was working with individuals, I was looking for Band-Aids all the time. This Mm -hmm. person can't afford their insulin. This person needs testing supplies. This person can't get, can't get in to get an eye exam because they don't have the dollars for it. So how are we going to fix those on a broad level so none of us have to do those Band-Aid approaches day after day after day, patient after patient after patient? Um, because, and it, it takes time, but you know, the, the overall benefit of it is that we've got to fix for many, many people. And Anne, I think that is one of the most striking things that I've heard in terms of really focusing on priorities, because you're right. What we're hearing from people is they're spending so much time with their clients, with people with diabetes, working through some of these system issues and reimbursement issues and access issues, affordability issues, that it is a Band-Aid. So you're, you're doing this all day with multiple clients, and it's not effective when we feel like the changes could really be made on a broader policy level. So that's why I think it is important that state CBs and others within the states are talking to one another and identifying what some of those critical issues are. And if people are having the same issues, it's really important to get together and see about making a a more systematic change. And I think it's important for us at the national level to know what the priorities are on the state and local level, because we want to be connected in our policies as well. We want our national policies to be supporting those and really speaking to those people in the states and working um, directly in patient care to make sure that we're really aligned on priorities as well. I think you've done a nice job in leading us into some of the work that the Advocacy Committee has been doing to help states develop some of these advocacy priorities. And you have this really fantastic idea that I know you've been piloting in certain states about developing a survey for state CBs, coordinating bodies to use to develop their own advocacy priorities and assess where their members are really feeling the the push to make some changes. So can you talk about this survey and what the intent is behind it and how states can use it to help identify their advocacy agenda? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Being a grant-funded program, I'm always working on evaluation, you know, so you have to, and that's exact, first you have to identify what the issues are, set the action plans, and then evaluate what you're doing. And this survey helps with that first step to identify the issues. What's going on? What are the members facing? And once you find out what the problems are, I think it, it pretty readily becomes, um, uh, becomes um, apparent what the concerns are, what the biggest concerns are. And then as a state CB, you can develop some priorities. So in the state of 
of Hawaii, they decided to use this survey, start the survey with their leadership team. They wanted to get some idea in terms of their leadership, what exactly are the big issues, and then help to develop some priorities based on those issues. Other states have sent it out to all of their memberships so you can get a more collective view because states can really differ in terms of uh, the makeup of the state. You know, I serve a huge rural area, but I've got colleagues that are in uh, very populated urban areas. So some of our issues are going to be different. But when you do, after you do that survey, you identify what one or two issues that we as a CB can work on over the next year or two years. And once you identify that issue, then do some more exploration in terms of what are some of the possible solutions and then set your action steps. What are the action steps you're going to take to help you meet that advocacy goal? And ideally you'd set some timelines with it too, just to make sure that uh, things happen as you would like to see them happen. You know, so things like the cost of insulin or access to supplies, those may be issues that you choose as a, as a CB to work on. One thing that helped us at a national level and as an advocacy committee, we've asked them the question, what are some of the tools that may be most helpful for you? you know, how can we best help you? How can we best support you? So as an advocacy committee, we have put some tools together to help CB uh, members and leaders with advocacy initiatives. And we'd like to make them even better and add to them so that we can give you some of the things that you need to do your advocacy work to fix the problems that you've identified so that people with diabetes can live healthier lives, have access to the care that they need and the support that they need. And I think that what you're talking about in terms of advocacy tools and resources, that's such valuable information for us at ADCES because we've gotten some feedback from states saying we'd love to do a state capital day. How do we set this up? How do we choose issues? And so we're working on some resources to support that, that we can provide to states and brainstorming different ideas, um, who to reach out to, potential partners in the state, um, different things that states can do to help get involved in advocacy in more uh, non-traditional ways. Not just It's not just meeting with a legislator, but it's meeting with a local health department or developing relationships with local health officials or others. So I think that that is really important feedback to have from states. And all of what you said is just so critical because I think it's very overwhelming to set an advocacy agenda. Um, So I think the survey does a really nice job of helping states identify where where are the commonalities and some of the issues that members are facing? And then it's a process. So I don't think any solution is going to be absolutely clear, but what you said about identifying a few things that you think you can um, accomplish, setting a timeline for those things. And I think that's a really effective way to create a working agenda to, to really help tackle some of the advocacy issues that people are facing. And I wanted to get into some of the work that you've been doing recently in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, because I think this really highlights this in the best way. 
you've come up with a really creative way to bring different stakeholders together to help make improvements to the Michigan's Children's Special Healthcare Program to ensure that all adults with type 1 diabetes have access to affordable health care. I hope I said that right. I know there are a lot yeah. of different um, terms there. So can you talk about that, what the idea was and, and how you're doing with that? Yeah. So this really came about because we've got a regional advisory council and periodically we assess the landscape in terms of what are the biggest problems. And most recently, the cost of insulin has been at the top or near the top top of that list in terms of the priorities for our advisory council. So we decided that we'd take it on last year. We had a, a summit where we invited people living with type 1 diabetes, parents of people living with type 1 diabetes, those working with type 1 diabetes, and we had our legislators there to talk to them about this. Because children's special health care is, uh, is actually a subsidized Medicaid health plan in Michigan for kids with really expensive condition, conditions, but it ends when they turn 21. Well, type 1 diabetes doesn't end when you turn 21, and the cost of diabetes has been just getting unaffordable for many. And we know without insulin, that's a death sentence for people with type 1 diabetes. So in exploring children's special health care, how, how do we do this? How, how do we get coverage for adults with, with uh, children's special health care? So I called the office, that particular office in Lansing, and they said, well, it's been legislated. The legislators have actually passed laws to expand that coverage to adults with cystic fibrosis and to adults with hemophilia. So I thought, well, this is great. They've already expanded this coverage to a couple of groups of adults. So we can make a great case for that program to be expanded to adults with type 1 diabetes. So some of our UP legislators are, are pretty interested in, in helping with this, but we know that this has to be a statewide initiative. So I've been talking with the American Diabetes Association, JDRF, our colleagues throughout the state that are um, diabetes care and education specialists, uh, parents of kids with type 1, people with type 1. So we've got some meetings set up for August with some of our legislators. So we're hopeful that we'll be able to move forward on this. You know, with COVID happening, we sort of put off moving on it, but um, this is a problem that needs to be addressed. And we thought we'd start with type one because of the life-threatening implications of being without insulin. Uh, the American Diabetes Association, I think many others would like to see it expanded to type two. And maybe in time we can do that. That would be great. But not so not only does this fix the uh, high cost of insulin issue for us, but it also fixes all of the other pieces of care that people with diabetes need to remain healthful or to address complications that they may develop. So we're pretty excited that this is even an option that we can explore in our state. Not every state has programs like this, from my understanding. The, the two things that, that I found are really important 
when you're, when you're involved in any kind of advocacy is to have a lot of patience because it always takes time and to be persistent. Don't ever stop talking about it because it's not a one-time shot or a couple of phone calls. It's ongoing. And you also need to have a number of partners working with you. The more that are working on it, the more likely it is to be effective. And then through all of it, be nice. You know, we're in a culture where people aren't very nice to each other, but we want to we wanna help others. And our legislators are there to serve their constituents. So they want to be helpful too. And as long as we're nice to each other, that's going to help with effective communication and with achieving the goal we want to achieve. And that is my favorite line. There is no better way to close than you have to be nice. I think it's such a perfect reminder. And I think it would do us all some justice to send this all to every legislator in the country to remind them that we all have to be nice. And I think that point is not lost that we as advocates, we want to be helpful, but our legislators and our regulators too also want to be helpful. So I think that that's a perfect reminder of where we should be focusing and just the the intent behind what we're doing. Well, it has been wonderful speaking with you today. I think you've just provided so much interesting information and connecting people with important resources. So thank you. And I wanted to let everybody know that we do have materials available on our website under advocacy. And we also encourage everybody to subscribe to the Advocacy Forum on ADCES Connect. Anne and the Advocacy Committee have done a really fantastic job of keeping discussions going on the Advocacy Forum, posting materials like the surveys and state resources, and also um, doing monthly blog posts highlighting different areas of advocacy. So thank you, Anne, and we look forward to talking soon. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. I often hear from members who want to help their clients and community through system changes, but don't know where to begin. Anne's account of overcoming hurdles illustrate that we are indeed capable of fixing systems through our collective action, though we need to be willing to do our part and show up. So I invite you to take the first step in getting involved by visiting diabeteseducator.org forward slash advocacy. To learn more about our advocacy forum on ADCES Connect, where people can interact with each other, share advocacy tips, and read the latest blog posts from our advocacy committee members. There's information about getting involved in the upcoming election, and there's an overview of all of our advocacy efforts. We would also encourage you to subscribe to the advocacy forum on ADCES Connect. And while you're there, make sure to check out the survey we discussed here today that can help you identify advocacy priorities in your area. Finally, I want to encourage everybody interested in advocacy to participate in our virtual public policy forum. This training event will help you figure out how to speak to your legislators, how to set up meetings, and how to advocate on behalf of the clients whom you serve. Visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash advocacy for more information on the public policy forum. And as you become more involved in diabetes advocacy, remember Anne's advice to 
to find partners to be patient, to be kind, and to persevere. These are succinct tips to reach success for both novice and seasoned advocates alike. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.